It's nice to be able to visit you again. I've been here many times. Some of you don't, probably wouldn't know. I actually lived in Crawley, somebody has to, for nearly 20 years. A minister of the United Reformed Church there, working there in the LEP in Broadfield. So I know you of old. And it was actually while we were living here in Crawley that I was involved in um, a conference, an international conference, that we set up in Brighton. And there we invited people from reformed churches around the world, and many others, of course, but I had particular responsibility for those who were from reformed churches. And we felt at the end of that time that we simply could not allow that simply to be like water um, draining in the sand. And the Romans 111 Trust was born to make those links, to keep those links. You know you'll never understand what this book is about if you think that it's a history book, even if you think it's a religious history book. We only really grasp the picture of what our scriptures are about if we recognize that it's actually a record of God's plan. I hope you realize that God didn't have a cunning plan. He had a real plan. And if I was dealing with students, I would probably, wouldn't probably start um, in Genesis. I'd probably start in Ephesians. If you know the first chapter of Ephesians, Paul is kind of looking at what God has planned from the beginning of time and says that we are called, predestined to receive his love and grace in Jesus, to receive the Holy Spirit, a down payment of what's to come in the future. Something of the life of the coming kingdom and, of course, the Bible starts from God's creation through to God's recreation of a city. That's the history, God's plan. And within that plan, it says that people of every nation, every language, will be part of this family of God whom he wants to be within the kingdom. Now that's what this is all about. It's what the Romans 111 Trust is about. It's what our faith is about. It's about, it's, it's what our church, what your church is about. Making a reality of God's kingdom in this world. And it starts here. Your first responsibility is not for Africa. I'm sure you realize this. Your first responsibility is for Linfield. And making the kingdom of Jesus a reality here in your own village or wherever you live. But then the scriptures say, 
actually, we're not just part of a, a, a small area in which we live. We're actually part of a worldwide church. And so the gifts that he give us, gives us are not just for his people here, but for his people worldwide. And as far as we're able, the life of a church in a small place, Sanjay, Chibali, in southern Uganda, are part of the life of your church here. And you say, praise God for that. And respond to it as best you're able, as God calls you to respond. You see, the plan is is clear. And the Jewish people, God's call to Abraham, and I'm sure you've read that passage many times and heard it read many times. It's not so that Abraham can get blessed, it is. It's not so the Jews can get blessed, it is. But it's so the world can get blessed. And the creation of the church, just the same. It's not just so we can get blessed, but we are. but it's so we can bless the world. And so God can give the opportunity to all peoples to become part of the kingdom of Jesus. Now that's the macro. (laughs) Okay, that's the broad picture. And within that broad picture, and this is really what I I want to um, speak with you about this morning, within that broad picture, you come to the example of Romans 1. You've seen that a few times already. The first thing that strikes me when I read this part part of Romans 1 that we've read this morning is, is Paul describes himself as somebody who's been driven. I hope you pick up the language that he uses, I long to come to you. How many times has he tried? He says a a few. He's been prevented. He has a great desire to preach the gospel. You know, he's a man who's had his, his heart moved. And that's where it begins. It begins for most of us there. At a point when God touches our lives and we know that we've got to do something about this situation. I I pray that your church church meeting Thursday, I pray that at your church meeting Thursday you'll have that sense. God will touch your lives and you know you've got to do something about the situation, whatever that situation is. That's where it starts. The broad plan's there. But for us, God touches our lives. Samuel Mumutsu was a, a young man. He still is a fairly young man now. A young man who he'd, he'd been a police officer. Um, as most, a lot of young men in Uganda, fairly dissolute in his life was converted to Christ. He ended up in in the Reformed Bible College in Kampala to train because he believed God had called him into ministry. 
He came from the very south east and part, southwestern part of Uganda, um, a place called Rakai. Rakai was that area of Uganda that the Tanzanian army had swept through when they got rid of Idi Amin. It was the place in, Gan- in Uganda where there was more AIDS than anywhere else in the nation. A whole generation of people taken out of the place. And Sam had a heart for his own area. He actually went back there after he'd finished his course because he believed that God wanted him to start a church. And he, uh, he lived in what we would think of as a garage. But he's not living in a garage today, <laughs> but he was then. It was a single room about the size we would put our car into. Living room, bedroom, the whole lot. And was there for some years with virtually nothing, except a heart to change the lives of people in the place he called home. I'm not showing you all the pictures today of this, but last time I was here, actually, I showed you a picture of, um, of the first church that was put up there. It was made of reeds. Somebody burned it down, by the way. But then now they've got a much more substantial church. We've got a, a small training center there. He's got a, um, a home for children who need caring for outside of their families or perhaps their parents are dead. You helped to build that. You did build it. But Sam looked at his community and in particular kids like this. And basically he said, we've got to change this. And he had nothing, and his church had nothing, but he went to his church and he said, we've got to do something to help these children. And they started YAP, Jesus Cares Project. And they started off by sponsoring one child in a local school collecting some money together. This was with no, no aid from Linfield or the Romans 111 Trust. But you can see the principle that's there. And of course, what starts small grows. And by the grace of God, they've been able to um, build a, a school in process. There's still much more work to do. But it's not the infrastructure that's the important thing to them. It's them. Paul was desperate to get to Rome. God had put this place on his heart. He was desperate, actually, to get on to Spain. If you read the end of Romans, you'll find that's what he says. I want to... I want to come to Rome and I want your help to go a step further. This gospel of Jesus must go out. Now, I can't tell you actually what it is that God puts on your heart. It may be something here in Africa. It ought to be something here locally. It may be something totally different. 
But whatever it is, what the scripture says to us is don't ignore that. Please don't ignore that. It's part of the plan. God does it so that he can change the world. Or so that he can claim the world back from the evil that's uh, encompassed it. But it actually starts in our hearts. The second thing that strikes me very much when I read this passage is that Paul was convinced, absolutely convinced, that he had an answer to the problem. You know, you see the problem. The Lord touches your heart. You know you've got to do something about it. But you don't always know what the answer is. Paul knew that within the gospel, this message of Jesus, this love of God, sacrificing itself so that human beings could be made whole again, freed from their evil, put in touch with the kingdom through the Spirit, and living that out within community. Now, that's what we're about, church. That actually this gospel can change the world. Um, Gwen's got some crafts over there. She'll tell you the story of the young man who painted the picture, taken off the streets of Kampala, sponsored, not from here, somebody else, going through school, going to college, becoming an art teacher. They're his original paintings. It's over there. She'll tell you the story. I never remember it, but it's something like that. The gospel makes a colossal difference. Not every story is a success story, but many are. You may have seen, Ron and Janet certainly know Sarah. Sarah is one of those success stories. A girl who's been sponsored, I don't know whether it's from here or not, but from somebody in this country, who's gone to school, went away to teacher's training college, has come back to Sanjay, and is heading up the work in the nursery block. the gospel in her life and the outworking of that in the love, the provision, the training, the education and so on has transformed her life and is beginning to transform the lives of children, young children, because of her work and ministry. I don't know how we relate to that today in our country. Probably uh, some of you may sit there with those doubts that, you know, have we a right to say in this world and in, in, in our culture, actually the gospel of Jesus is the answer. 
quite sure Paul would have been certain. And while there's much work to be done, I believe it's true as well. Because the answers aren't found just in education. The answers aren't just found in, in, in working in our communities. The answers are found in people's hearts being changed. And that's what the gospel does. And then the work of the kingdom flows out of that. So a heart that's touched... And a faith that's powerful. And we know the power of the gospel of Jesus. And then you have to get down and do something about it. Your plans don't always work out. Paul's didn't. He'd planned to go to them many times. Rome was an important part of the world if you wanted to affect the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church was an important vessel for doing that. And its unity and its life. I don't know if you know or not, but um, theologians have kind of argued over what the book of Romans is over many, many generations. Um, some have even decided that the first eight chapters actually must be a separate letter because they seem to be all doctrinal and then the rest of it is different. I don't believe that that's true myself. In fact, I think you only really understand the book of Romans if you recognize that it is not a theological treatise at all. We don't mind this bit of theology. It's not a theological treatise at all. What it is, it is Paul trying to get the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians united in Christ so that the gospel can go out to the world. And in order to do that, you get this great sweep of theology which tells you basically that all people are saved because of faith in Jesus Christ. And when you start with Jesus and Jesus alone, not our traditions, not our Jewish upbringing or our Gentile background, they're not foundational. Jesus is foundational to the, whole of the God, to the whole of the work of the kingdom. And when you get the right theology in place and put that into practice, you get one church who are serving in the power of the Holy Spirit and it is life-changing and it is world-changing. That, I believe, is the book of Romans. You see, the plan is that the church, the people of God, would live out the, the life of the kingdom in the power of the Spirit so that many, many others' lives would be changed as well. They'd come to Christ. But more than that, they'd become active members of the kingdom of that same Jesus. And the plan for Paul it's very simple. I've got to go to Rome. The last chapter of the book of the Romans is one of the biggest name-dropping bits of activity you'll find anywhere, certainly in Scripture. He knew so many of the people already. 
And of course, he ends up going as a prisoner. You know the story, I'm sure. So the plans had to be made so that the greater plan could be worked out in practice. What started as a small reed church, the church is at the end there. On the left is the Spiritual Life Center. It's where we train students. We use it for conferences and other things as well. On the right, you can just see, is the family home that you've built. You have to turn the, the principles, the theory, into a reality that will enable the plan to be fulfilled, the job to be done. Thankfully, many of you understand that very well. Many of you sponsor children, and I haven't said it yet, but if I can say it very loudly to you now, as I said last night, thank you. That's Sam's thank you. The vision, the heart, leading to the commitment, needed you and others like you to be able to put that into practice. And you have played your part in this and can continue to go on doing so. But please see it, not as just giving um, some money because there's a need there. See it as fulfilling the plan of God to make this worldwide family of his church a vibrant thing which will reclaim more and more of a needy world for the Jesus whom we serve. You gather your team. That actually is the, the board of YAP working for these young people in Uganda. This is the school. That's the nursery block at the end. The rest of the primary classrooms are here on the right. Finish now. Um, in really good nick. Good reputation in the area and with the people. It's a kind of spin-off. When we let God touch our hearts, okay, when we make our commitments, when we make our plans, when we offer our gifts to one another, actually what happens is that we all get blessed. You get blessed, they get blessed. And that's where... The Romans 1.11 trust comes from, as I've said. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, built up in Christ. And as we commit to that work of the kingdom, here, locally, Africa, other places in the world, we get blessed, and we are a blessing. Sometimes I think Christians, English Christians in particular, are very shy to say to God, please, Lord, give me more. You know, we kind of 
bit half-hearted. It's okay to ask God for more and more and more and more on one condition. You give it away again. So we kind of become reservoirs of blessing. But only so that that blessing passes through us and passes on to other people. Can I encourage you to be part of that? Not necessarily the work of the Romans 111 Trust, but of the scriptural principles worked out here locally, worked out for some of you through Samuel's ministry in Uganda, worked out for others of you in other areas, other places. But making available those gifts that God has given to you so that they are blessed. You are blessed. And the plan gets worked out. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for those people who have brought your blessing into our lives. Family, friends, people in church, people outside. For those of people who have brought us to faith and help us to understand your love for us in Jesus. Thank you that you can help us to be a blessing to others. And we pray that we may know how to do that here where we live, in Africa, in other places in this world. Thank you that you make us part of a very large family. Touch our hearts, we pray, Lord so that we may know what your call is upon each of us, so that we may fulfill it. We ask your blessing upon the work of your church, churches, here in Linfield, and pray that they may know how to represent your kingdom, to do it well, and to see many others respond positively to your love. Bless the church meeting on Thursday night, we pray. We ask your blessing upon Samuel Mumutsa and others like him. Guard and guide their vision and their strength of commitment, their heart, their belief in the gospel. 
their work as it works out practically. Again, our prayer is, Lord, help us to respond to that in ways that you want us to. Help them face the many challenges that they have in their lives, personal and as churches. We pray for your church worldwide. We pray for those mission agencies like CWM and others who seek to service the work of your kingdom through those churches. We pray that your plan and our part in it may be one of the foundations of our life and service together. So we give you our thanks. So we offer you our prayers. We worship you as the God of creation and as the Savior of the world. In the name of Jesus. Amen.